In the name of God, who has made us and who loves us and keeps us. Amen. My very favorite book begins. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. This is the story of something that happened to them when they went to the house of an old professor who lived in the heart of the country. It was the sort of house that you never seem to come to the end of, and it was full of unexpected places. So perhaps you know the story by C.S. Lewis, and that one of those unexpected places was a wardrobe. And the wardrobe was filled with fur coats and mothballs and the land of Narnia. Narnia, those children would learn, was under the spell of a beautiful but terrible white witch whose enchantments had made it always winter there, always winter, but never Christmas. On the third Sunday in Advent, it seems like Christmas will never come. We have finally sung Mary's Magnificat, but none of our gospel readings have been about annunciations or angels, and there's been no mention of Bethlehem. In fact, the season started nearer the end of the story in Jerusalem, with Jesus speaking about his coming again, though he would not say when. Last Sunday, we went back to John the Baptist looking forward to the one who would come after him with an axe and a winnowing fork and with fire. Fa la 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 la. Out there, candy canes and customer service and countless twinkling lights tell us that it is almost Christmas. Even here, alongside our faithful observance of Advent, we've had our angel and Clarence trees up. We've decorated gingerbread cookies and sung carols. And slowly but surely, we're filling our crush with all those who will witness the birth of Emmanuel, God with us, in just 10 days. But Jesus and John are all grown in this morning's gospel. And though the traditional name for the third Sunday in Advent is Gaudete, from the Latin for rejoice, as we hear in Mary's song, as well as Isaiah's and the psalmist's, a breathtaking vision of a world transformed by the power of God, John is not preaching his version of that vision today. Instead, he is in prison, his confidence in God replaced by questions. The lectionary is full of unexpected places. Are you the one who is to come? John asks his cousin, the one whose sandal he had said he was not worthy to untie, the one he did not want to baptize but said should baptize him, the one he had thought was. But now he's not so sure. Are you the one who is to come? John asks Jesus. Or shall we wait 
and wait for another. Many, like John, were expecting a Messiah who with great might would come and take over the temple, topple Rome, end oppression, and rule in God's name. But when John heard what Jesus had been doing, are, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we wait for another? The season of Advent is filled with expectation and with expectations. The secular celebration of Christmas is too. We look back with nostalgia. We look forward with anticipation. We plan and prepare. We have visions for how we think our holidays should happen. And in something of the same way, Advent invites us to look back at the prophets, to anticipate the Messiah, his first coming in humility and his second coming in glory. We plan and prepare here, and as visions of sugar plums dance in our heads, visions of salvation fill our hearts. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad writes Isaiah, the prophet-turned-poet. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus abundantly. Water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and that's just the beginning of the story. Here is your God, Isaiah marvels, who will come and save you, who will open your eyes and unstop your ears, who will get you up and give you a voice, who will make a way where there was not one to joy in which you will dwell forever. And happy are they, sings the psalmist, whose hope is in God, the maker of all things, who gives justice, who gives sustenance, who sets free, who lifts up, who loves and cares for those the world does not. Mary would have known that song, and she would have known Isaiah's, as her spirit rejoiced in God, her Savior, now impossibly God, her Son. And she sang of a vision fulfilled, of God's strength shown, of the proud scattered, of the mighty cast down and the lowly lifted up, the hungry filled with good things and the rich sent away empty. We return to these ancient stories and songs and many others like them in scripture every Advent, looking back and looking forward for the way that Jesus will come into the world and for the way the world and our lives will look when he is here from our own prisons of doubt or despair, in the wilderness of our own worries or weariness, when we are frozen in grief or bitterness or pain, we wait and we wait expectantly and we wonder if anything will ever change if it will ever be Christmas. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we wait for another? So in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the children meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, who tell them that there is hope for Narnia. 
If we were reading closely, we might have guessed it because it is a robin, the first herald of a new season, who leads them to the beavers. They say, Aslan is on the move, Mr. Beaver says. He's the king. He's the lord of the whole wood. He's also a lion. And C.S. Lewis will claim that his novel is not an allegory, but the Christian story of salvation is powerfully present there. Aslan is on the move. He'll put all to rights, Mr. Beaver says, remembering an old rhyme, an old song. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. And so they set out to meet the great lion. And as they walk through the bitter cold, go and tell John what you hear and see. The children only see, they only notice. It has stopped snowing when they begin to feel warm in their winter coats. There was a curious noise, Lewis writes, all around them, though out of sight, there were streams chattering, murmuring, bubbling, and a drip, drip, drip from the branches of all the trees. The snow was melting. Patches of grass were beginning to appear, a relief after all that endless white. They saw crocuses, purple and gold. They heard a single bird singing, and then a forest full of song, and then jingle bells. In this holy season, or perhaps for longer, if we have been in a hard season in our own lives. But in this holy season, we have been looking back and looking forward, longing, hoping, preparing, expecting, wondering where and when God will appear, where and when wrong will be made right, where and when our sorrows will be no more. Here in the heart of Advent, where it is coldest, where it is darkest, where it is busiest, where it is hardest, we are reminded Jesus is on the move. Are you the one, John asks, and the one through whom all things were made, who was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, who will come again in glory and whose kingdom will have no end? Jesus answers him with a vision in which ancient prophecy and its future fulfillment are unfolding here and now. Go and tell John what you hear and see all around you. In the movement of Jesus Christ, love and kindness and mercy would be made visible. The blind would receive their sight. Those who had been paralyzed by prejudice and fear would move toward community with one another. The lame would walk. Truth and compassion and forgiveness would be spoken. The deaf would hear. 
Generosity and selflessness and justice would be practiced. The poor would have good news brought to them. So it is that the signs of our salvation aren't just in stars and songs of angels. Hearts thaw and hope flutters in every story, here and now, in which we see another person as God sees them, or in which we walk together through a hard place, or in which we listen to one another, or in which we help someone else or someone helps us. The signs of the coming of Christ are in unexpected places, on the margins and in the shadows, in the wilderness and the frozen woods. And they are in unexpected people, in prophets and poets, in children and lions, and they are in you and in me, in our weak hands and feeble knees and fearful hearts, when we are kind, when we are courageous, and when we are generous. And when we go and tell what we have heard and seen, Jesus is on the move. Amen.